the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. God is on the throne of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is occupied. And God is seated majestically on a throne. He is sovereign. He is ruler. He is Lord over all. The kingdom of God is at hand. And God is supreme and sovereign, ruling in the heavens. Now, at the same time, however, he has allowed for a season the kingdom of darkness to exist. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Though the kingdom of darkness does exist, allowing Satan to hold influence and cause havoc in our world, God still reigns supreme and will return fully with his light. Pastor Gary teaches us today that the kingdom of God exists now with Christ on the throne. A day will come in which he decides it is time to reclaim earth as a part of his kingdom. When this day arrives, any who do not claim Christ as their Savior will be judged for their sins and thrown into an eternal fiery pit. Then the world will be set right to as God always intended. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 110 for part one of today's message titled, Jesus the King, Priest and Judge. Psalm 110 is where we are today, folks. Let me give... uh... Uh, Just a quick background on it, and then we'll read Psalm 110 and pray. You'll notice in your Bibles the subtitle of David. So that's the byline. This is a psalm that he wrote among the many that he wrote through the book of Psalms. So David was the one inspired by the Spirit to pen these words. I'm going to read Psalm 110. It's only seven verses, so follow along as I read. Verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, notice, The first use of the word Lord, all caps, that's the proper name of God, Yahweh. The second word, Lord, is capital L, lowercase O-R-D, that's Adonai, that's a reference to Messiah. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. 
You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Those of you who like to take notes, jot down this verse, Luke 24, 44. Luke 24, 44. I'll quote it before you can turn to it and read it. But Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he said in Luke 24, 44, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Again, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now, when Jesus said this, and he uses this phrase, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that really is the sum total of Old Testament scripture. Jesus said, everything written about me in the Old Testament speaks of me, points to me. In fact, Pastor Graham Scroge, who pastored the Metropolitan Church, he died like in 1958, Metropolitan Church of London, which is where Charles Spurgeon had previously pastored. Pastor Scroge once said, if you cut the Bible anywhere, it bleeds. In other words, Jesus is revealed, and the blood of Christ flows throughout all of Scripture. And when Jesus says, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, he's saying that the Old Testament prophets, hundreds of years before the arrival of Christ onto the world scene, spoke of the Messiah, spoke of the Christ, spoke of Jesus. 300 prophecies were written in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled all 300 of those prophecies written hundreds of years before he came. Dr. Peter Stoner, who died in 1980, he was the professor emeritus of science at Westmont College. He was also the professor emeritus of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena City College. He wrote a book called Science Speaks, and he talked mathematically about the odds that anyone could fulfill such prophecies in one person, 300 prophecies fulfilled by one person. Dr. Stoner decided mathematically that even if someone were to fulfill 48, he just took a random number, 48 out of 300, the odds of any person fulfilling 48 out of the 300 prophecies was 1 in 10 to the 157th power. 48, and Jesus fulfills all 300. And by the way, Jesus is coming again, the Bible says, and there are three times the number of prophecies relative to his second coming in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And don't you know that Jesus will fulfill all those too? Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, Jesus says. Now, when it comes to the Psalms, there are many passages throughout the book of Psalms and sometimes entire chapters that speak about Messiah, that speak about Jesus. This is one of those Psalms. Psalm 110 is about Jesus. For those of you taking notes, it is classified as a messianic Psalm written by David a thousand years before Jesus about Jesus. Psalm 110 is about our Lord, is about the Messiah. Now Jesus even quotes from Psalm 110 as it applies to himself. In Matthew 22, you can listen or you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22. 
there is a conversation that Jesus has with some Pharisees who do not believe that he is Messiah. And he quotes verse 1 from Psalm 110 as a way to prove his identity and to help them understand who the Messiah is. So in Matthew 22, here's this conversation that Jesus has with some who don't accept him as Messiah. In Matthew 22:41, it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, verse 42, What do you think about the Christ? Meaning Messiah. Same words. Christ is a Greek word. Messiah is a Hebrew word. It means the same thing. Anointed one. He says, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And the Pharisees respond by, they, they say, well, he's the son of David. And Jesus says, well, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls the Messiah Lord? And then Jesus quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, which says this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus quotes this. He says, well, if Messiah is supposed to be the son of David, how is it that David calls him Lord and describes divinity to him? As his Lord, and when Jesus finished that, he says, If David then calls him Lord, how can he also be his son? The Bible says they dared not ask him any more questions. <laughs> so, Psalm 110, verse 1, is helpful to us in understanding the Messiah because Jesus says the Messiah is both son of David and son of God. You see, David is the one from whom. Mary and Joseph descended. So Jesus' mother and his adoptive father are both descendants of David. So Jesus is a son of David in the sense of his humanity, that he descended from the line of David, because his mother and his adoptive dad were both descendants of David. But David calls the Messiah Lord because Jesus is the Son of God. He precedes and he predates David, having always been co-eternal and co-existent and co-equal with God. So he is both the son of David and he is the son of God. And Jesus quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, in defense of his own humanity and divinity, the mystery of the God-man, fully God but fully man. So Psalm 110 is about Jesus. It's about Jesus, the Messiah, and David breaks down this chapter really into three sections related to three terms about who Jesus is. And here they are. He's going to talk about Jesus as king in the first three verses. Then he's going to talk about Jesus as priest in verse 4. And then he's going to talk about Jesus as judge in verses 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to see Jesus revealed in Psalm 110 today. But moreover, and here's where it gets personal. Moreover, I want us to see who Jesus is in Psalm 110 as it relates to each of us personally. What does it mean for me that Jesus is king? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for us that Jesus is priest? What does it mean to you, to me, that Jesus is judge? Because we have to personalize this passage and understand how it relates to each of us, and it does. So we'll start first place. First, we're going to look here at Jesus as king. Now, First three verses are about Jesus as king. We've already quoted verse 1. That's what Jesus referred to in terms of his own divinity and humanity. Pick it up at verse 2 again. If you'll notice in your Bibles, verse 2, David writes, The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty, from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. 
So I'd like you to underline in your Bibles or highlight them in your electronic Bibles the words scepter in verse 2, rule in verse 2, and majesty in verse 3. Highlight or circle or underline those words, scepter, rule, and majesty. All of these words, of course, describe a king, a king who rules, a king who has a scepter, a king who is majestic. And any time there is a king, there must be a kingdom. In order for a king to be defined as a king, there must be a kingdom. And the Bible speaks about kingdoms. The Bible says that there are earthly kingdoms and then there are heavenly kingdoms. Now, in terms of earthly kingdoms, we're all aware of this, even if you've never read the Bible. There are earthly kingdoms. There are earthly kings who rule over provinces or territories or regions. And those kings, not every country obviously is a monarchy. Many are run by presidents or prime ministers or dictators. But every territory that is run by a leader is a territory that will expand or collapse over time. And it is a leader who will rise or fall. Every king eventually will be deposed. Kings rise, kings fall. Territories expand, territories collapse. And over the course of human history, we've seen this. These are earthly kingdoms. And by the way, the reason why some kings rise and fall and some territories expand or collapse is because God has everything to do with it. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, it says, God changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. That God is sovereignly behind nations and kings and kingdoms that God is sovereign over the earth and over the affairs of men and the reason why some are in power is because God has allowed it so if you're happy about who's in power get ready it's going to change and if you don't like who's in power get ready it's going to change because God sets up kings and deposes them. He is sovereign over nations. He is sovereign over kingdoms. The Bible says in Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. He is Lord over every earthly kingdom. Daniel 4, 17 says, The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. So there are earthly kingdoms. There are the kingdoms of men, the kingdoms of nations, territories, and human leaders over those territories. And then there are heavenly kingdoms. These are kingdoms that we cannot see. These are kingdoms that are very different. There are two. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of Satan. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, just before Jesus was crucified, Pilate asked Jesus if he was a king. And Jesus answered in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. See, he was speaking of a heavenly kingdom. Jesus says, there's a kingdom, all right. But my kingdom is not of this world. There are earthly kingdoms, worldly kingdoms, and then there are heavenly kingdoms. God is on the throne of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is occupied. And God is seated majestically on a throne. He is sovereign, he is ruler, he is Lord over all. The kingdom of God is at hand. And God is supreme and sovereign, ruling in the heavens. 
Now, at the same time, however, he has allowed for a season the kingdom of darkness to exist. It is another kingdom. It is a very dark kingdom. It is a very wicked kingdom. It is an evil kingdom. And Satan is the prince of this kingdom. Paul talks in Ephesians 2 verse 2 about this king, this kingdom. In Ephesians 2 2, referring to Satan, Paul says, The ruler of the kingdom of the air. He is the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He is the ruler of the kingdom of the air, this unseen kingdom. In fact, Jesus even spoke about the kingdom of Satan when Jesus was being falsely accused for casting out demons using the power of Satan. And Jesus basically said to his skeptics, well, that would be kind of counterproductive, wouldn't it? Because if I'm driving out demons, if you think I'm Satan, I'm driving out demons by the power of Satan, that's kind of like a house divided against itself. Why in the world would I do such a thing? So in Matthew 12, 26, he says, If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? So there are heavenly kingdoms in the unseen realm. There are earthly kingdoms below. There are kingdoms. And the Bible teaches that until a person comes to know Christ as his or her personal Savior, hear me on this, Until that time that you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you belong to the kingdom of darkness. Satan is your king. You say, well, I don't ever remember voting for Satan to be my king. You didn't have to vote for him. You never vote for a king. You're born into a kingdom. And you and I were born into the kingdom of darkness because we are sinners by nature, and so by nature we sin. David would say in Psalm 51, verse 5, Surely I was wicked from the time my mother conceived me. I was sinful from conception. We inherit a sin nature from our great ancestor Adam. The sin nature was corrupted when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden against God. He rebelled against the Lord. The sin nature was, that human nature was corrupted, and the sin nature then was passed on through the seed of man. You and I inherited that sin nature. We're born by default into the kingdom of darkness. Until you were born again. Then when you were born again and when you receive Christ as your Savior, your citizenship is transferred to another kingdom. This is why in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it talks about, Paul says, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, in whom is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's Colossians 1, 13 and 14. So Paul is right there writing about, there's a dominion of darkness. There's the kingdom of darkness where Satan rules. You and I are born into that kingdom by default. We are objects of wrath. We by nature sin. We do things that are ugly and nasty and wicked and evil. We think things that are ugly and nasty and evil until such time that we surrender our life to Jesus. And when that happens, our citizenship is transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son whom God loves in him as redemption and the forgiveness of sins can i hear an amen on that and that's the beauty that's the beauty of coming to faith in christ you no no longer then belong to the kingdom of darkness you have been then transferred into the kingdom of the son whom god loves so now we belong to the kingdom of god as children of god and eventually every earthly kingdom will be overthrown And the kingdom of darkness will be destroyed. And there will be eventually one king and one kingdom only. Okay? Everybody needs to understand this. Eventually, the Bible teaches every earthly kingdom 
will be overthrown and the kingdom of darkness will be destroyed and there will be one king and one kingdom and that king is Jesus and he will establish his kingdom on earth. It will literally be heaven on earth, the Bible teaches, for a thousand years and then the heavens and the earth will be destroyed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will live with the Lord forever. One king, one kingdom. The Bible says it this way in Revelation 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And David saw it also in Psalm 145, 13. He says, Your kingdom, Lord, is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. So when you read about Jesus as king... I want you to think of this word, authority, because each of us needs to ask ourselves, is Jesus my king? Does Jesus rule over my life? Have I surrendered to his authority? Is he in charge? Because, listen, friends, because eventually there will only be one king and one kingdom, I encourage you. I challenge you strongly. I beg you, get on God's team. Because there's only going to be one king and one kingdom. So make a decision now that he is your king and that you surrender your life to his lordship and to his authority. Jesus is king and he will be the only king and there will be one kingdom. And in Revelation 19:16, when he returns, it says, And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The second thing that David writes about is Jesus as priest. In verse 4, look again at verse 4. He says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now David is quoting God here in regards to the Messiah. And that God says about Messiah, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Who in the world is Melchizedek, he's kind of a strange and mysterious figure in the Bible. He's only mentioned three times. Melchizedek is mentioned in Genesis 14. He has an encounter with Abraham and a conversation with Abraham. He's mentioned again here in Psalm 110, just by reference. And then lastly, he's mentioned in Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7. And the writer of Hebrews talks about Melchizedek referring back to Psalm 110, where David writes... That Messiah will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So in order to understand the priesthood of Jesus, we got to understand Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? Well, again, he's somewhat of a mysterious figure in the Bible. His name in Hebrew is a combination of two Hebrew words. Melech, Zedek. Melech means king. Zedek means righteousness. His name, by definition, means king of righteousness. The Bible says that Melchizedek was also king of Salem. Salem is the root word in Hebrew for shalom, meaning peace. It is the ancient name for the city Jerusalem. Yerushalayim in Hebrew just means city of peace. So Melchizedek, king of righteousness, is king of Salem, king of peace. And the Bible says that he is the priest of the most high God. How can one be a king and a priest? Nowhere in the Bible is that role shared in a dual capacity. Only kings are kings, only priests are priests. 
In fact, one guy by the name of Uzziah, who was king of Israel, king of Judah, tried to serve as a priest one day, goes into the house of God with a censer of, uh, uh, of the uh, fragrance, the fragrance, right? Okay, thank you. So, and he's going in there pretending to be priest for a day. God says, uh-uh, you're king, you're not priest for a day, and then gives Uzziah leprosy. That's not a very happy day. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person, too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.